0: Welcome to Multifamily Rock Stars. If you are new to apartment investing or already experienced, you will enjoy this show. You will hear from the leading experts in multifamily real estate so that you
1: can be a better owner, operator, and investor. Real people, real stories, life-changing. And now, your
0: host, Ryan Christopher News. Welcome everyone. Today's guest is Matt Easton. Matt is the founder of Leasing University, the number one apartment leasing training in the world. Leasing University's on-demand platform and live events have simplified how the industry leases apartments. Matt has personally helped hundreds of apartment communities generate billions in additional revenue. Matt, welcome to today's show.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: You know, one of the things when I came across some of your videos on YouTube just, you know, by by luck, um one of the things that definitely struck out to me is the consultative sales approach that you employ which i kind of say is a very high order of sales techniques and strategies and I, i my background is i came from wall street and those are the types of trainings that we did in terms of you know with clients for multi-million dollar transactions and to see you you know so passionate about employing that with you know $800 $800 to $1,000 tight leases and up is uh, is really interesting. So I think the viewers are going to have a lot to uh, to value from this podcast. So really appreciate making the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, Matt, walk us through your background. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting that you noticed the, uh, the sales process from your background on, on Wall Street uh, similar types of groups of people, different different neighborhoods, different streets, uh, for example, my background is all around those those high ticket sales, really, really large uh, B2B sales. Uh, Fortune 500, I served, I led the American Customer Satisfaction Index for a number of years, um, was always involved in sales, sales performance, customer satisfaction. Taking the money I earned from that space, I like many people, and I know many of the listeners of the podcast said, boy, I, I should start investing in multifamily. Uh, and started doing that uh, very early in the 2000s, around 2000 to 2004, started putting a lot of money in uh, and and started to notice a lot about the industry in terms of, uh, there's there's some room here. just having my own my own properties. Uh, and then, Uh, in 2007 started an apartment marketing firm which has since been sold to one of the bigger companies can't name any names but again on the marketing side running a marketing company really started to notice hey it really didn't matter how much the phones were ringing if the sales process wasn't there so um just started taking some pieces from what i learned a lot of the same stuff that you've probably experienced with your career in wall street and started saying how can we put this into multifamily to make this sales process smoother? And that's where Leasing University was born.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so so looking forward to, uh, to the show here. And uh, So the theme that you proposed is how B&C properties can outperform A-class properties in 2021 without spending a penny. So tell us how, how that can be possible
1: those REITs, those A players, and I'm not saying anything bad about them. A lot of them are clients of leasing university. They're just going to outspend you, period, point blank. If you're a mid-tier owner, you're not going to be able to keep up with them in terms of spend. It's, It's just a fact. Here's where they're going to slip up and you can take advantage of it, okay? They don't have a sales process that works for the way the market is today. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that, Ryan. Today's renter has more information than they've ever had before. And they have more choices than they ever have before. And these A players, a lot of times without them even knowing it, are still living in a world where you come to them with no information and no choices. So they spend a ton of money to make the phone ring and they're not really great at answering it when it does ring. And they don't go too much beyond just clicking away at their keyboard when they answer to check price and availability. So that's where a B and C player can really come in with that right sales process and really shine. And it's gonna even get worse. I'm not gonna name names There's quite a few of these. One in particular has done away with leasing consultants altogether in favor of these self-guided tour technologies. Bad idea. Self-guided tour technology is a great tool to have. It's a great resource to have at your prospect's disposal, but this is the single biggest life decision that they're gonna make other than maybe selecting their spouse. If forcing them to go on a self-guided tour is not the right way of doing things so they're going to outspend you how you're going to get around that is one you're going to have the right sales process and if you can't get involved in technology or you can you're going to make sure that you're always backing that technology up with a people centric a customer centric process that's going to really help that person make a decision
0: that's great. So you've coached thousands of leasing agents. What do you see as the three biggest issues they face and how do you help them resolve these issues?
1: Yeah. Great great question. So I, if I had to think about it, I would say the three biggest areas are first and foremost, number one, phone training. Okay. Don't believe me. And it's so, it's so funny how, how few owners that I meet actually call their own communities. Right. Go ahead and call your property as if you were a renter. For the most part, it's a complete disaster out there. Our our phone skills are terrible. So number one, phone training. Number two, being taught to overcome objections. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear here because it's important. I'm not saying that they're not taught to overcome objections. I'm saying that this traditional training out there that's either misinformation a lot of times and in some cases, complete garbage, is teaching these leasing consultants to overcome an objection. You cannot overcome an objection in real estate. It is not possible. Let me explain how. There's only four ways to overcome an objection. Number one, I'm gonna change the product, okay? So Ryan, if I say to you, I don't like the size of this closet, right? Your closets are way too small. I can't live in this place. You can't go, oh, Matt, no problem. We'll just blow a hole out of the side of the wall there. It's Mrs. Johnson, right? We'll knock out her second bedroom. We'll make it a closet for you. You can't do it. I can't put a balcony there. If there's not a balcony, I can't change the floor plan. You can't change the the product. Okay. The number two way you can overcome an objection in real estate is you'd have to move the product, right? Hey, you're not in Cherry Creek School District. I want to be in Cherry Creek. No problem. We'll get a C-130 aircraft and some tanks and flatbeds. We'll just move (laughs) the building into that school. Can't, doesn't happen. Okay. Number three way to overcome an objection is price. Now, a lot of the listeners may be saying, well, we can move our price around. Our data, at leasing university universities, shows whatever you can move your price, the bandwidth that you have as an owner or an operator to move your price is never going to be enough to truly overcome an objection, right? It may entice somebody. It may be used mm-hmm. as marketing and it may be used as motivation, but it's not like I can take... A $2,400 a month apartment and make it 700 bucks, right? Suddenly I don't care about the closet anymore. So you're not going to overcome objection with price that leaves the fourth thing. Okay. And this is where all the old school training is out there. They don't come out right out and say it, but this is what they're doing. They're going to overcome the objection by proving to the prospect that they're wrong. And you're right, Ryan, that closet's not small. Ryan, our, mm. our, our rent, it's totally affordable, right? It's $2,400 is not a lot of money. And we create these conflicts. You can't overcome an objection. You need to handle mm. or address that. That's them. interesting. The third thing that people need training on is a closing process. They just simply don't have it. I met with three large companies this morning via video. Their board of directors asked me to come in. I asked all three of these companies, there's three different Zoom meetings, Hey, what's what do you guys say to close the lease? Over 400 people on all three of those calls combined. Most of them didn't have any answer and none of them had a definitive, this is what we say, this is what we do at our company to close. Blows my mind. Like, how can you have a $100 million asset and not teach your people, okay, this is how we close. This is the process. So phone training, being taught to overcome objections, and closing process if you could knock out all three of those you're in really good shape.
0: No that's great. Uh and then <clears throat> what what would you say is the way to knock those out? You know just maybe some high high level remarks as to what you do to to get people to think in that way as to you know solutions rather than than yeah, combativeness. That-
1: the The first thing that you have to do is is look at your as look at your training process and look at your platforms. There's a lot of fantastic platforms out there. the The big names that everybody knows, yeah, they teach sales, but they also teach uh, fair housing, sexual harassment, mold remediation, active shooter situations, right? You really need to maybe take a look and say, is is this company that's literally training my people on 87 different subjects, are they giving my people a sales process that's easy for them to understand that makes sense to them, that they can clearly make sense to the renter? The only way to get your people to do this is is to embrace a process, lean into that process, trust the process, trust your people, make sure that you train them on the process. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they just keep kicking that can down to, I'm going to let my LMS handle it. And then they end up hiring. The other thing that they do, Ryan, is they end up hiring people with industry. Wow. Tony's got 20 years of experience, you know, <laughs> worked for, he worked for Schmeishmar for 20 years and, and they're big. So he must know what he's doing. If somebody has been in the industry for a long time, there's a really good chance that all of their skills were built in a time and place when, the property manager had all of the information and all of the power. And we don't, that doesn't exist anymore and it never will again. So you got to find a process, coach your people on that process.
0: That's great. Uh, And then what are the key attributes that you look for in a great leasing agent? And are those skills trainable?
1: Um, So we could spend all day going through attributes. I'll tell you, if if I only had to know one thing about you, if you were going to work at one of my communities, there's only one attribute that I would look for, and unfortunately, awesome. this is the first thing that goes when somebody gets industry experience. It's curiosity, right? If you're a curious person, if you're if you're trying to figure out the why behind things, why would you say that, right? Now, why do you say two bedroom, right? I, I get master bedroom, that makes sense, but why two bedroom, right? Well, I want to use the second bedroom as an office. Oh, talk to me about that. What does what your kind of ideal scene look like? Are you working from home all the time? Are you working from home part of the time? Are you just working from home while there's a pandemic going on? If somebody is curious, it is going to be, they can just walk right into the leasing university system and it's going to make total sense to them. Unfortunately, we don't hire a lot of people with curiosity. We hire people with industry experience and people with industry experience tend to be the least curious. I've done this a thousand times. I don't need to ask you any questions. You need a two bedroom. Hold on. (laughs) Got four available. What day do you need to move in? Right. They don't even figure anything out about the prospect's current situation. So curiosity, number one, how you can find that in the interview. See if they're asking you questions about what your goals are. Talk to me about what your current situation is. What's your occupancy level? What have you guys tried? What have you haven't tried? If somebody's asking you, more questions in the interview than just giving you information, that's probably a really good indicator that you've got a rock star on your hands.
0: No, that's great. That's a great, great attribute for sure. And then uh, walk us through, you talked about closing a lease. So walk us through your tips, how to close a lease.
1: Yeah. So unfortunately I can't share with you the, the leasing university secret sauce. I'll tell okay. you, it's really, it is really simple. Okay. It works about seventy percent of the time, but here's what I can share with the listeners. I'll share what's not working, okay? And there's five really common practices out there, and none of these five work, okay? Number one, not having a standard close, okay? My data shows, in the number th- these numbers this morning were right in line with that, ninety-eight point three percent, so almost ninety-four percent of property management companies do not have a standard close meaning when you take a job there part of your training part of your onboarding is this is what you are going to say what you are going to do this is your process for closing okay they just go ahead and buy a 100 million dollar asset or take take management control of a 100 million dollar asset and then hope for the best with people You need to have a standard close. It's important. Closing the lease is important. Okay, so number one, they don't have it. Number two, most common practice is hoping the lease will close itself. And as we get further along with technology, as we get further along with social media, we're actually creating jobs for people. I'm in charge of social media, right? I'm in charge of this. As we embrace more and more of that, we actually end up, hoping that the lease will close itself more and more. There's a big difference between marketing and selling. You know, marketing is getting the bees around the honeypot, right? Selling is figuring out what specific bee do I want to do business with and how how do I get that bee to do business with me, right? We're focusing a lot on like getting a buzz around the property, but we don't have standard close and we're just hoping that this prospect makes the decision with us it's not great okay the third thing that they do is they make all or nothing requests and for your listeners that are taking notes if you have a pen and a piece of paper write this down because this is good life advice as well whether you're a property manager or you're trying to get your way in life you want to avoid all or nothing requests as much as you can here's an all or nothing request hey ryan do you want to lease the apartment right? You can say yes and you can say no. Hey, Ryan, do you want to fill out the application, right? You don't want to give your prospect an all or nothing request as your close because if they say no, you're out, all right? The last two are probably the most common, okay? We use what I call Jedi mind tricks, all right? Jedi mind trick is, hey, Ryan, can you see yourself living here, right? Hey, Ryan, Would you like to reserve the apartment thinking that if I just change the word rent or lease to reserve, that I'm somehow going to soften the situation. And the next thing, you know, four months later, you're going to be like, "Ah, what happened? I'm living in this place. You know, all I wanted to do was tell them I could see myself living here. You're not going to trick somebody into signing an $800 a month, $8,000 a month, whatever it is. That level of a financial contract, you're not going to Jedi mind trick them into being like, Would you like to fill out the application? And the next thing they know, they're living there, right? It's bad. The other thing that we do a lot of, and I don't disagree with this, this is not bad practices, but it's scarcity and loss aversion. Okay. That comes in the flavor of, you know, hey, you don't want somebody to take your apartment. We only have four of these left. This special is going to end tomorrow. There is a time and a place for scarcity and loss aversion. It's not when you're closing. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Scarcity and loss aversion is something you do in the follow up. It may be something that you do in your sales presentation, but you don't close based on fear, right? You don't close based on manipulation, right? So just to recap those those, those big five, 98.3% of people, they don't have a close, okay? A huge chunk of them that, are just hoping that it closes itself it's not going to and that's not going to get any better right a lot of people are making all or nothing requests saying hey do you want to lease the apartment nope okay bye thanks right they're 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 out and then the ones that aren't doing that are typically using some sort of trickery hey can you see yourself living here or hey if you don't rent the apartment in you know four minutes it's going to be gone both sure. of those are gross right no, people, people are smarter than that
0: Awesome. I, there was one video that uh, you had that was the one question that every leasing agent should know. So, can you tell us what that is?
1: Yeah. And for the folks that don't head over to Leasing University, for the folks that will never be on Leasing University, for the people that are like, man, that training's not for me. This one question, this will make you so much money. This will make your job so much easier, make your life so much easier. That big question, if you could only ask them one thing, what's your biggest reason for moving? Right? Everybody, I'm going to be honest with you. Nobody shops for an apartment for fun. I know, I know your community is really great. And you hired that person for social media, you know, and they're doing hashtags and pool parties. Not one person ever in the history of apartments was like, I don't know, bored on Friday. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing, Ryan? How about we get a pitcher of margaritas, and go look at some apartments, right? There's a reason why you're, they're calling you, right? The shortest distance between two two dis- places is a straight line. Just ask them, what's your biggest reason for moving? And then follow that question up with why, 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 and why some more. And you're in pretty good shape at that point. What's your biggest reason for moving? Oh, man, I don't like my neighborhood. Why? Well, it's kind of noisy. Just out of curiosity, when when you say noisy, do you mean the apartment's noisy? The neighborhood's noisy? The building's noisy? What's going on there? I uh, yeah, It's the neighborhood. Oh, talk to me about what's going on in the neighborhood. Well, it's, you know, some people out there and the kids with car stereos. And I was an idiot. I went down there the other night to try and tell them to turn it down. And things got a little bit heated and to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of scared. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared about my neighborhood right now. I, I, I want to get out of here, right? All you did was ask them one question What's your biggest reason for moving? And now you've created this rapport with this person and you know exactly how to show them something in a way that makes sense to them. I get it on that neighborhood, right? I'm going to show you a unit that's over on the south side of our building. That's the more quiet side. I also want you to meet Jason. He's part of our security patrol. I want to introduce you to Jason while we're here, right? Now, all of a sudden, you can tailor, you can curate your presentation to that renter because you know their biggest reason for moving. All of these big A players out there, these REITs, go call them. They're going to be like, how can I help you? Worst possible thing you could ever say on the phone, by the way, never say, how can I help you? You say, what can I get you information on? How can I help you? I'm calling about two bedrooms, hold on. Okay, we got six, right? They're never gonna take the time to learn about the prospect. Just simply ask them, what's your biggest reason for moving? And you're gonna be well, well sure. ahead of most of your competition.
0: Yeah, that's great. sounds like it's a question that will unpack many more questions to your point on curiosity.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And then sometimes Class B and C properties they may not be the most aesthetically appealing. Mm -hmm. So, what tips do you have for leasing agents that are trying to, you know, you were talking about Jedi mind tricks and those things, and 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 overcoming, um, you know, issues. But how how do you, you know, make make the age factor for whatever reason go away or or minimize the age factor of an older apartment community?
1: Yeah. And that's something that we, philosophically, this falls right in line with our training at Leasing University. So again, if you've been taught to overcome objections, you're on the wrong path with this. So somebody calls, you know, oh, your building's a little bit old. First of all, you're going to have it in your mind that it's a lot worse than than they are. I'm just going to be honest with you.
0: Mm-hmm. You're
1: going to be thinking your property is a lot worse than, than they do. And what ends up happening with that kind of traditional misinformation or complete garbage training is, ah, the building's a little bit older, right? It, well, no, no, it's not. It's a great, it's, it's, it's a, it's romantic. It's a, you come up with some marketing, clever term. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a vintage, it's vintage, right? And we all of a sudden fight. We try to argue with the person and explain to them why this 1960s, garden style tri-level is now the hip cool thing, right? Here's the deal, Ryan. For the sake of this podcast, the best piece of advice that I can give the listener, simply agree with the prospect. Mm -hmm. What we find is, and this this is really interesting. Moving is stressful. Moving is scary. By survey, most stressful life events, getting a divorce and getting fired, right? By a survey, those were tied for second place. The most stressful life event was moving. When people are under stress, do they get easygoing? Do they get fun? Do they make decisions easily? Or do they get irritable, angry, loud, complained? They, they complain. What we teach people, at Leasing university, is 90% of the time, and our, our, we have the data to prove this. of the time when you think something is an objection, oh man, they're objecting on how old our business is or how old our property is. It's not an objection at all. It's a complaint. I don't like stairs, right? Just simply agree with them. I don't like stairs either. Come on, Ryan, let's head on up the stairs and check out the kitchen. Your building's old. Yep. It's older. Come on, let's check out where your home office is going to be. It never comes back. But if you try your best to come, well, it's, we actually, it's called vintage, right? In the neighborhood where we got a hipster name for the neighborhood too. And you're trying to really sell them. What they do is they double down. And then this simple thing that was just a little complaint becomes an objection. Don't create an objection by trying to like, hey, if it's an older building, admit it. It's hey, I knew that before you got here. It's an older building. Come on, let me show you the bedroom right? Just simply agree and move forward. You're going to find that a lot of the time it never comes back up.
0: That's, that's great life advice as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't, 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 don't try and make a battle. Don't try and win the battle all the time. Just, I hear you. I'm with you. Yes.
0: Uh, so for advice for owners that hire third-party property management companies that, you know, the staff doesn't directly report to the owner. Yeah. So how do owners keep a good pulse on the leasing staff and the training without having direct management responsibility for the staff?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to keep a good pulse on the staff is you got to audit the properties. You, you have to call, but here's the thing. What I would recommend that they do as an owner, and I've done this myself, I've since sold pretty much all of my ownership interests, but back when I was really going for it, um, I had to do this myself. Before you call your property, you need to take a second, close your eyes and think of a why. Either your own life scenario, maybe your kid's life, maybe it's a friend. I don't care, but come up with an actual scenario, right? I'm moving because I got a divorce or I'm moving because I hate my neighborhood or I'm moving because I live in my parents' basement and it's time for me to move out and I got a brand new job. Come up with an actual real world why somebody would call your community. Then call your community and see how quickly do they answer the phone? By the way, anything after three rings, you're killing yourself you are spending way too much cash to make that phone ring to have it go longer than three rings when they answer. When they answer the phone, do they greet you, right? It's a great day at Forest Meadows, what can I get you information on? Or do they say, thank you for calling Forest Meadows, my name's Tony, how can I help you, right? Audit your properties, that's the best way to keep tabs on them. A couple things, and again, I we work with quite a few third-party, I love third-party managers, love them to death. A lot of them are our clients, but just, you know, just being real and being transparent with all of the listeners. A couple of things they should know about third, third party management companies. Number one, this whole thing of 94 to 98% occupancy is great. And that's where we need to strive through. Okay. That's, that's designed to set expectations low. Okay. And that's some sort of industry expectation. Oh man, if we're above 94%, we're doing a great job. That's simply because you're not pushing them and you're not managing them. That They don't care. For us as owners, that little 2% or 3% bump in occupancy is a world, a world of difference in our return on investment. So push your third-party managers, okay? Ask them to really, really work hard for you. Make them show you their system for how they're going to get you to plus 98%, okay? 94%, in my opinion, is not acceptable. Here's another thing. And it's just a fact. Third party managers don't care about top line revenue as much as you do. Okay. So they may think that they're interested. They just want to make sure, they just want to make sure that the property's operating, that everything's flowing, and they're doing the minimum, you know, on the contract they have. You as an investor, you as an owner, you care about top line revenue. You know that once all the bills are paid, that one or two percent bump in top line revenue again makes a world of difference to you not necessarily them. Okay. The other thing, third-party managers don't care about training unless you do. I talk to owners all the time and I'm not talking just small owners. I'm talking giant, you know, venture capital, huge capital, billions of dollars in capital. And they're like, our third-party managers, you know, reach out to reach out to X, Y, and Z and ABC. They handle, ABC's got 47 of our properties. I'm sure they'd love to talk to you. They don't. Okay. Unless you call them and say, guys, I need you to look at our sales process. I want you to talk to this company. I want you, I want to know what your, what your tactics for improving our phones or improving the way we handle objections or how we close. I want to see a plan for how to close the lease on my desk by the end of the month. If you don't push them in that way, they're not going to do it. They're just going to continue to hire people with industry experience and run the property the way it's always been run. So make those phone calls, make them yourself. You don't have to, you know, if you don't want software, you don't need just call you. Anybody who's invested in a community is smart enough to know if they're being treated well or not treated well on the phone. Call your properties, see how they're doing. It makes good sense. That's great,
0: absolutely. And then in terms of compensating the leasing staff, any ideas to maximize performance?
1: yeah so again and i know we kind of said this before and i am not yes i have a vested interest in training but as your friend as the listener's friend we're doing great we've got plenty of clients right i'm not i'm not trying to sell people on training this is just a fact and people don't think about this if you don't have training if you don't have a process if you can't measure people against that process I would get a process before I ever looked at comp. Okay. Otherwise you're just going to have, you, you can't measure that, you know, you can't get your arms around that. Once you have a process, now you can track the process and you can say, you're not answering the phones on time. You're not doing this. And then what I would look at my personal favorite is any sort of, and I know we've got base and all that, even if it's just a small bump an individual per lease or per, re, per renewal piece of variable compensation. Not a team goal because this is not a team. It's a team sport in some ways. But what ends up happening when you're like, oh, we're going to give out a bonus if the property is great. You get one person, that was me 20 years ago, that does all the hard work selling. And then you have four other people that are sitting around, not answering the phone. And everybody shares in that reward. I It needs to be if Ryan works his tail off and does right by our customers, I'm going to hook Ryan up with variable comp. Again, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, take it for what it's worth. I would try and push, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this from your wall street background. I would try and push that piece of variable comp to as close to the present as possible, right? Putting that goal out there of an annual goal of a quarterly goal, It's hard for the average leasing consultant to get motivated, especially if they got kicked in the teeth the day before. I would like to see them coming to work reinvigorated every day knowing, hey, I get $25 or I get $50 if I close a lease today. I got a renewal coming up. I know I get $15 on every renewal. I'm going to make sure I call Ryan and and make sure he can make it to our appointment that we have at three to talk about renewing his lease, right? When you put even, and I'm not talking big money here, even just a little bit of a bump, people get excited about that.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. Any recommended amounts for those two items for the leasing and, and the renewals?
1: It really depends. I mean, I'd have to really take a look at that client's total comp. Um, I mean, if the comp is fair, you know, I would look at what you spend on marketing and a lot of times we'll spend 100, 150 bucks for a lead, but then we won't, then we won't give a leasing consultant $100, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: anything more than 100 bucks, you're really going to motivate them, but we don't want to get too far off track. Um, I I I would say in that neighborhood of 50 to 100. And then if they are lighter on their, on their base and other comp, and they don't have any other bonuses, maybe go higher in that range, but give them something that's gonna get them excited. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, in terms of uh, leasing KPIs, what what should operators and owners focus on?
1: Yeah, the big ones for me, you, calls answered and, and the time that those calls are answered, again, anything after three rings is a problem. And you need to make sure that whatever you're using to track those rings is not adding rings as we just discussed. So calls answered. Okay, tours scheduled. Huge one to track. You know, how many people now in with what we've got going on today, this could be a tour, right? You and I could FaceTime a tour. That's still a tour. That's fine. I'm fine with that. But a tour scheduled, right? Not just a phone call that goes nowhere. Tour scheduled, proposals made. And that's a conversation for another day. But a proposal is as simple as, like writing down the price of the rent and the date the person can move in in front of them. Does that person, does Ryan know that this apartment that we talked about is $1,800 a month and it is available for his February 20th move-in date? Did you explain that to him? That's key. You're amazed. I'm, I'm blown away how many times there'll be a tour and the person never was told, what does it cost to do business with us? What does it cost to live here and when can you move in, right? And then of course, the big daddy of them all, is leases closed. So calls answered, tours scheduled, proposals made, and leases closed. Now, if I can, I want to throw something else on there. Yeah. A regional manager, or depending on how big your organization is, if it's of any size, it's going to be your regional or your property manager. They should be able to ask, forget KPIs, they should be able to ask any leasing consultant, leasing agent, assistant property manager, property manager, these questions about any prospect, about any time. And I'm okay with the person going and looking at their notes, but they should be able to provide an answer, right? What was that prospect's biggest reason for moving? Every person on your staff that works with a renter should be able to communicate to their next level of leadership what that person's reason was for moving. Ryan um, is got a roommate right now, his name's Matt. He hates that guy, right? He wants his own place. That's a simple answer, but that shows me that person was listening and they cared, right? Um, Jenny wants a different school district for her daughter, whatever it is. What's their biggest reason for moving? The next question, why? Why is that their biggest reason for moving? They just bought a pug and they found out um, that the, the place they're living right now doesn't take dogs, right? You need to know the what and the why, okay? What did they want to see first? Nobody even asked that question. Hey, when you get here, what do you want to see first? they just take them on some willy nilly tour, right? They wanted to see the second bedroom first. And then why? Well, that's where they're gonna put their home office, okay? Where that's where the new baby that's coming is going to be, right? Knowing the what they wanna see first and why. What date do they need to move in by? Uh, February 20th. What makes that date important? See, now that's a good regional manager. Sure. Hey Matt, that guy you just talked to, um, when does he need to move in? Well, he needs to move in by January 10th. What makes that date important? I don't know, it Said January 10th, right? Let's think about that. There's a huge difference between, ah, I'm living at my mom's couch right now and I'm just tired of my stepdad, right? His name's Rick, can't stand him. But I can, I can deal in there another year or I need to be in January 10th because I work for ADP. My boss, his name is Lance Price. He's coming out for a ride along. He's gonna be here on January 12th he's going to want to see my my digs, right? I need to make sure everything is unpacked. My screen's up. My Zoom meetings are set. My boss needs to see me in my new place. Totally different scenarios on picking inventory, urgency, all of that. So what's their biggest reason for moving? Why? What did they want to see first? Why? When do they need to move in by? And what makes that date important? If you've got a leasing person that can answer all those questions on a prospect, that's a rock star that you want to promote, retain, because that's somebody that's going to close leases.
0: That's great. So turning to marketing strategy. So what do you see as the most effective forms of marketing for class B and C assets?
1: Yeah. And this might not be the answer you want to hear, but I'll just be totally honest with you. What I'm seeing is the problem is not marketing. Again, this is not a purchase where we can get really crazy outside of the box and I can create demand. There's nobody shops for an apartment for fun. They have to be in some state of pain or discomfort with where they're at right now. And then they're going to move, right? This is not, we're not selling t-shirts or tacos or sneakers or something where I can create some sort of crazy Instagram marketing plan and sell 20 units, right? The marketing that we have out there is solid, right? You got apartments.com, you've got Zillow. A lot of people are still using Craigslist they're all good as long as the phone is ringing and if it's really ringing with the bad people that's pretty uncommon in today's world that's something we could fix pretty easy but really the problem where we get confused is we put all of this attention on marketing and we don't really look at the sales process if i was going to try and get the biggest roi that i could i wouldn't touch my marketing at all and i'd look at What are my people saying when they answer the phones? How fast are they answering the phones? How much are they putting their arms around that lead, figuring out what their current situation is, what their ideal scene looks like, and being able to explain to that renter how we're going to improve their life. If you can fix that, any marketing strategy out there, you're going to be 100% occupied with a wait list. The problem is we're like, oh man, we should just move to apartments.com. They've got the new diamond titanium package and it's only 9,000 a month and we jump into that and then we still don't answer the phones.
0: Sure. Sure. It's kind of, you need that comprehensive process. Yeah. Otherwise it's, it's just money wasted. Uh, if you were to recommend one free marketing channel though, what what would you say is the best, you know, if you're going to spend time, let's say you get the the leasing agents, yeah. you know, dialed in and you they've trained them leasing university now you need to, you know, try and get a larger funnel of, of leads in the yeah. pipeline. What, what would you say would be the best thing?
1: The easiest one, and again, they're not paying me to say this. And if I offend somebody, I, there's a lot of great options out there. The easiest go-to is going to be, you know, your co-star products, your apartments.com. Okay. A lot of folks try and go to Google first. That was kind of our realm with our marketing company. Um, doing your own Google ads. Can you do it? Yes. Can you get into trouble? Absolutely. If you just hire a "quote unquote" marketing company that's not multifamily centric, and you're paying them to advertise on Google, they don't get it either because there's a big difference in how you'd advertise an apartment versus a different product. Um, so I would go apartments.com, you know, Zillow, uh, and then Google for sure. But make sure whoever's designing that campaign knows what they're knows what they're doing. Okay.
0: Uh, So what about tips for getting good online reviews?
1: Yeah. So um, two things. Okay. Um, Before I give you those two things, let me give everybody a huge warning. All right. If you've made it this far in the podcast, this warning is going to save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you have a sign in your office on your property, any sort of signage, I don't care how friendly looking it is. It's like, like us on Facebook, give us a review, any printed materials on property. I want you to take that down and I want you to burn it. Okay. And then I want you to take those ashes and flush the ashes down the toilet. Okay. Worst possible thing you could ever do is put up a sign. Here's what happens. Leaving a review for somebody online is kind of a big deal. Okay. It takes effort. I'm putting myself out there. My name's going to be attached to it. What if I spell something wrong? There's a propensity that people are going to make fun of me, right? It's, I'm not saying you can't get it, but it takes effort. So if the effort that you're going to put out to request for that is a sign, nobody's going to do it. Nobody's going to leave you a positive review because they read a sign. Here's what ends up happening in multifamily. You and I go out for those margaritas. Cause remember on Friday, you and I are going to have margaritas and look at apartments because that's what everybody does for fun. I'm going to drink two pitchers too many, right? And I'm going to come home. Hey, where's my car? My car has gone. Somebody stole my car. This place is terrible, right? I go talk to the leasing office. It's four o'clock in the morning, right? I'm been bang on the door, inebriated. I'm going to see the sign. Like us on Facebook. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to light them up. This place is terrible. It's full of car thieves. And just, right? And they forget they even left the review. Now you have a review on that. And it's like, where the bed bugs and the convicted felons come to battle it out for the UFC heavyweight championship of the world? Because you put a sign there and somebody was upset. And that's what we do. We act irrationally when we're upset. So get rid of the sign. Now I'll answer your question. Okay. What can you do to get them? Two big secrets, all right? They're not rocket science, but nobody seems to know this. Number one, you got to ask. You got to ask. Hope is not a strategy with, re- with reviews, right? Hey, Ryan, you know, can you, can you leave us a review online, right? The number two strategy, and this is more important than asking, but you're never going to get anywhere unless you ask. So that's why I told you to ask first. It is okay to coach them I'm going to repeat that because it's important. It is okay to coach them if, big if, if it's true. If it's true, it's okay to coach them and you should coach them. Why? A negative review. I don't know what it is about the human brain, right? But we all of a sudden become Stephen King, right? This place will kill your grandma. The water is so cold. My grandma died. Don't live there, right? They hate old people. They're like, there's a call to action. It's like Madison Avenue wrote the copy, right? There's a call to action. They're supporting content. But yet on a positive review, the average person goes five stars. Ryan in the leasing office was great. So you need to coach them. Hey, Ryan, I'm so glad that you signed the lease today. I'm so excited to have you live here. Hey, by the way, Ryan, can you help me out on something? You know, our owners, they really look at our online reviews in terms of, You know, figuring out where budgets are going to go, where resources are going to go. Can you help me help you and all the other residents out by leaving a review about the community, about the thing that you like the most? And I know you told me that the fact that you've got that brand new car and the covered parking, that that was vital to you, having covered parking. I know there's a lot of people out there like you that are looking. Would you mind just hopping on Google? It's right there. You just type in the product and put, I love the fact that they have covered parking. I feel really great about parking my car here, right? I love the fact that they've got a larger swimming pool. It's been great in the swimming, you know. Coach them. Here's where I want you to go. I want you to go to Google, right? Here's what I want you to talk about. Can you list the one thing that you really love about the property? Then what ends up happening is you have this review sheet that's like Ryan 418. Loves the covered parking. Susan, I can't believe the service is here. It's like they fix something before it's broken. Jason in the maintenance team is awesome, right? Then you have somebody else. Thought that Here's a great review for you. I thought $1,200 was way too expensive. Decided to rent the apartment anyway. Best decision I ever made, right? You're never going to get somebody to leave that review unless you're like, hey, I know we went back and forth on the cost. Yeah, I can't honestly. I'm kind of embarrassed I did because this is a great place. Don't be embarrassed. There's a ton of people, Ryan, that feel the exact same way that you do, and they're kind of scared away by the 12. Of them. Would you mind going on to Google and letting people know that it was a great this Absolutely, yeah, I do that. It would really help a lot. We have a lot of first time renters just like you would help them. Sure, no problem. Let me do that, right? But if you just sit around and put a sign up, it's never going to happen. Don't put the sign up. You got to ask them and you got to coach them. Real quick bonus when are the two times you should always ask them? Anytime somebody moves out under favorable circumstances, got married, having a baby, they're getting transferred to Des Moines, ask them for a review, right? Anytime somebody renews their lease, ask them for a review. And anytime something happens out of the ordinary where they're happy, hey, is there any way you can put that up on Google or Yelp? Um, So it would really help me out uh, because I've got a meeting with senior leadership next week. Ask them. You can't, you're never going to get what you want unless you ask for it.
0: That's great. And then turning to renewals. So what do you see as the most crucial factor in attaining high renewal rates?
1: Yeah. So most crucial factor in renewal rates. Now, this wouldn't be the first thing that I would focus on, but most crucial factor in renewal rates is maintenance training. And I'm not talking about the maintenance mania at NAA, right? How fast can you replace a water heater? That's all the training the industry has for maintenance. My father was in maintenance, okay? Like we put together a training program. It's I think it's an hour and a half for them to get through it in little two to four minute video bites that they can have fun watching. They need training on how do I deal with somebody that's agitated? How do I deal with a renter that's being aggressive? How do I get that renter to follow the company policies and filling out a work order, filling out a maintenance request online without having to put myself in a bad position to either break company policy and fix this without a work order or be a jerk and tell them, yeah, you got to do a work order, right? Get your maintenance people. If I'm not going to train them, have somebody train your maintenance people on how to make eye contact, how to take notes when they're talking to somebody, right? how to deescalate an agitated renter. Our data at Leasing University shows 64% of the time when somebody doesn't renew their lease, you can trace it back to a single maintenance event. And sometimes it's the most ticky tack little things that you would never think were a big deal. That light bulb in the hallway took a month to get fixed. It's a light bulb, but that person let it fester, They didn't get their problem solved, and they got angry. So maintenance training would be number one. Of course, leasing training is number two. Number three, make sure your people know the name game, right? If come renewal time, I don't know your name, I don't deserve the right to ask you for renewal. Make sure they're learning their residents' names, right? And then again, regular touch points. Regular touch point could be something as simple as, and again, you this is... this. We, we, we take fair housing and go, oh, I can't do anything. You can give great service and still have it be fair housing compliant. For example, you can make regular touch points with residents. Just make sure you make the same regular touch points to every resident. You don't pick your favorite. Sure. But what is it if you just had your leasing team? Call people once a quarter, that's three calls a year and just say, hey, Ryan, it's Matt down here in the leasing office, right? I'm actually not calling about anything at all. I just want to let you know, I really appreciate you living here. We really appreciate you living here. I wanted to make sure that I got the chance to tell you that. It's always going to be a voicemail because people don't answer the phone. If they do answer their phone, hey, Ryan, I won't keep you. It's Matt in the leasing office. Don't worry, no sweat. There's not an Amazon package for you here. I'm not looking for money. I just want to let you know, I really appreciate you living here. That sounds crazy. That's a great idea. You'll be amazed because now they have to break up with you, right? The other, the new construction down the street could have a rooftop saltwater dog wash right? And they're giving away six months free. But yet, if you were the person that for the last two years, all you did was call them once a quarter, they're not keeping tabs on it. In their head, they're like, they're always calling me. Let me know they like me, right? They're going to be really hard pressed to walk into that leasing office and go, ah, I'm going to move across the street. I'm really sorry, you know? But if you never call them and they don't know, it's easy. Hey, I need. where do I go to turn in my lease? I don't want to, I want to fill out my notice, right? But all your people have to do, just make regular touches. And the touch is this. Hey, Ryan, it's Matt in the leasing office. Just, I'm calling for no other reason, but just to let you know, I appreciate you. We appreciate you. We're so glad that you live here. I just, that's it. That's all I wanted to tell you. Have a great day, buddy. Right? It's great. It goes a really, really long way.
0: That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Let's go to the scenarios uh, role playing section. So a prospective resident says the rent is too high. I can't afford it. How would you approach the situation?
1: Yeah. So we could spend an hour on this and I know you don't have an hour. I'll give you the, I'll give you the right start and then they can figure out the the rest of this on their own. Here's the wrong start first. Go (laughs) call some communities and tell them the price is too high. They're going to say, they're all going to say the same thing well, what is your budget? Hold on. Let me check and see if I have anything in that price range. Totally wrong thing to do. Why? Nobody knows what an apartment should cost. I'm going to repeat that because that's really important. I invest in apartments and I don't know what the rent should be until I look at like 400 pages of data and rent is constantly changing. Nobody knows what's, so For in order for somebody to say, this is my budget, that's kind of a weird fuzzy number. So here's what I would say. You tell me, Matt, the rent's too high. It's, it's out of my budget. Hey, Ryan, just out of curiosity, when you say the rent is high, compared to what? Where you're living now, other communities that you're looking at, or what you had expected to pay. Let's break that down because that's really important for them to ask that. Where you're living now, okay? Well, I'm only paying 900 now. Remember what we already talked about in the podcast. Listeners, Remember what we talked about. Nobody shops for an apartment for fun. There's a reason why they're calling you. There's a street gang outside that slashed the guy's tires. Might be time to spend a little bit more in rent, right? If they were happy with where they were at right now, they'd still be there, right? Or other places you're looking at. How do I know what else they're looking at? Maybe they're looking at something that's a total dump. I don't know that. It's important for me to figure out what do they mean by budget? Or what they were expecting to pay most of the time that's the answer well i didn't want to pay more than 1200 then it's really simple agree we always teach people to be agreeable ryan i totally get it i'm with you on the 1200 right our we've got a range on our on our apartments i'm going to be honest with you that range is a little bit higher than the 1200 but if it's all right with you what i'd like to do can we just put price off to the side for a second and figure out what's the right apartment for you, okay? Let me learn a little bit. Let me ask you a few questions about your current situation. I don't even know if I have the right apartment for you, okay? Let's find what your ideal scene looks like. I'm an expert on the industry. If we have it here, more than happy to help you. And I I think we'll be able to figure out the price thing. If it's not here, once I understand your situation, I can probably make some recommendations to you that will help point you in the right direction. Fair enough you end with fair enough and the person always goes 100 yeah man that sounds great and all of a sudden they're like dude i called the right person instead of the classic you know negative nancy hold on i don't have anything in that price range you know just out of curiosity ryan when you say outside of your budget compared to what where you're living now other places you're looking at what you're expecting to pay ask them that and you're you're off to the races
0: That's great. That's awesome. What about uh, an existing resident saying they don't want to pay the 3% rental increase? Yeah.
1: So again, we could spend some time let me just kind of, I'll go through like our, our eight steps for handling an objection without like totally training. you. Okay. Number step number one, right. We got to treat everything as a complaint. Okay. Because guess what? Most of the time it is. It's just that, right? Don't assume that they're not going to renew their lease over this. It's a complaint. I hear you. Agree and move forward. I don't want to pay 3%. Ryan, I'm totally with you. I don't want to pay 3% either, right? <laughs> I don't want to pay any percent, right? Come on, let's get, let's get the paperwork filled out, right? Just agree and move forward. You're going to, people will be shocked how many times they'll be like, Dude, I know, right? I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stress out. Money's just tight, right? Okay, so uh, treat it as a complaint. That's great. Agree and move forward. That's step one and two. Step three: ask them for some solutions. Don't start coming up. Well, Ryan, what are some of your thoughts? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I could move down to place down the street. What's it going to cost you to move? What are they charging over there? Well, I I don't know. Actually, they're more, and then I'd have to move. Yeah. Does it make sense to renew your lease? right yeah it does ask them for solutions if you start coming up with all, well you need to do this because it's going to cost them right so ask them for solutions show a commitment ryan i get it hey i just want to let you know it's not the first time that people have had a problem with the rent increase right i'm committed to figuring this out by the way everybody that comes in here to renew their lease feels the exact same way that you do that's great they found is by the time they end up spending all the money on moving to a place that they're not gonna love, it's 3%, right? Does it make sense to renew the lease, right? If the complaint is really, really persistent and you have a solution at that point, after you've already done, then offer the solution. And again, with a rent increase, I'm not a huge fan of this, but I know there are some operators that are out there. Well, if you sign a 14 month lease, will waive the 3%. I don't like that personally. I think that's a race to the bottom, like teach your people how to sell the 3%. Um, Here's the big ones, step six and seven. And this is with all complaints, not just the the rent increase. If it really gets down to this, if you've treated it as a complaint, right? You've shown it and they're still, I am, I'm, I'm really, really concerned about this 3%. Step six, ask them if it's stopping them from renewing the lease. Okay. This is vital. Okay. This is this is critical that you ask this and ask it in this way. And everybody their first time trying this is going to make the mistake. They're going to go, why is this stopping you from renewing your lease? That is not what I told you to say. I asked you to say, Ryan, I just want to make sure that I'm clear here. Okay. And always agree with them every step of the way. Ryan, I get it. They totally understand on the 3%. I, I want to make sure that you are clear that I understand this is important to you. And if it's important to you, it's important to me. But I need to just make sure that I'm clear here. Ryan, is this 3% in your increase in rent, is this stopping you from renewing your lease? And maybe even throw it out like this. Is that stopping you from renewing your lease? I don't know if they can see me on camera or not, but my face, oh, yeah, for sure. my face, yeah, that's great. Is that, is that stop? See, see how I'm like, whoa, nobody's ever taken it this far. That's stopping <laughs> you from renewing your lease like, I'm still respectful. I'm not being a smart aleck. Is that stopping you from renewing your lease? Okay, seventy-five percent of the time they're gonna go, no. I'm not happy about it. I get it. I'm with you. Come on, let's let's get it. Let's get it, Phil. Let me let me get you a cup of coffee. Yeah, right. They, let's they,
0: get the paperwork. Just
1: want to feel vindicated. Okay. Now, if they say yes, and by the way, a three percent increase, you're gonna have less than one percent of the people out there. They're like yes. Okay you wanna ask them this. And this is, everybody forgets to ask this. I got it, Ryan, I'm with you on the 3%. I I totally understand. It is stopping you from renewing your lease. Is that the only thing that's stopping you from renewing your lease? You have to ask that question. An amateur does not ask that question, a professional does. Why? If you don't ask that question, here's what's gonna happen. You and I are gonna come to terms on the 3%. I'm either gonna do the 14 month and waive it, or I'm gonna, all things being equal, would it make sense, right? There's a million things I can do, right? I'm going to I'm gonna handle the objection. Notice I didn't use the word overcome. I'm going to handle the objection. And then you're going to go, oh, and by the way, I can't stand being on the second floor. You guys got to bump me up to a third floor unit. So make sure that you confirm and isolate that objection. Ryan, I just want to make sure that I'm clear. Is the 3% increase stopping you from renewing your lease? Yes, I got it. Is that the only thing that's stopping? When you say it that way, 90 plus, I think our numbers show 92%, it's 90 plus percent of the time. They go, yep, that's the only thing. If you don't say that, once they feel like they get a win from you in that negotiation, what are they going to do? They're going to go back to the well. Got to fix this. And by the way, I noticed Tina, Tina Medina in 214 moved out. Her assigned parking space is right by the elevator. I want Tina Medina's parking space too. Okay, and now all of a sudden you're playing this game of like they're holding you hostage. So is that stopping you from signing the lease? Is that the only thing? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll skip the rest of the objection. That will put that's them in a good a good place to go. I'm gonna tell you the big one out of all of those is agreeing. It sounds crazy, Agree. I'm with you, I get it. I sure. get it on the 3%. It's tough times out there, right? I totally understand. Come on, let's go sign the lease. Yeah,
0: that's right. great, that's great. And so as we wrap up here, what, uh, what advice do you have for owners and operators of Class B and C assets?
1: Uh, number one would be, and I want to say this in a nice way, but be careful who you take advice from, right? Those software companies out there, the people that you meet at NAA, they're all great, okay? They're all trying to help you. That doesn't mean that they have the best advice for you. OK, you need to be able to look at your asset, look at how it's being sold. Um, you know, if you take if you constantly take advice from everybody, you're going to go from your old floors to vinyl plank, from vinyl plank to natural hardwood, from natural hardwood to mark. Like there's it's never going to be enough. Right. So be careful who you take your advice from. Second piece of advice, a great sales process will beat a great property every day of the week. I will repeat that because that's extremely important. A great sales process will beat a great property. They got a rooftop saltwater pool. I have a sales process that figures out what's most important to that renter. I'm going to win because at the end of the day, there's only four people in the entire city. They're like, got to have a rooftop saltwater pool. Got to have a rooftop. And the, the, your competition is just Throwing amenities against the board and seeing what sticks. And by the way, all those amenities cost money. So they're bleeding capital to have all that stuff. And they don't even know if that's what the person really wanted. So get a good sales process, right? The way, and the last one is what we talked about at the beginning of this the way people rent apartments has changed. They have more information than they've ever had before. It's right here. They all have access to it. It's right on their phone, right? Hey, Siri. Find two-bedroom luxury apartments in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Yes. One option I see is Montero luxury
1: That's all they got to do, right? They have all the information in the world, all the choices in the world. So you need to treat them as instead of an order taker and a gatekeeper, you are a professional and a consultant. And it is your job to help figure out what their life is like currently, what they want it to look like and how your community can bridge that gap. You do that, you got no problems.
0: That's great. That's, uh, that's, this has been wonderful, Matt. We really appreciate your time. You've, you've, you came so well prepared and, you know, just shared so much knowledge and you're so passionate and, uh, so well thought of and, uh, in the space. So we really appreciate you making the time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I'm a big fan of of you. And, um, hopefully I can meet some of your listeners and I'd love to have, some of my people come over to your side of the things. You guys are doing, doing great things. And it, and it really, really was an honor to be here.
0: That's awesome. How can listeners get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So easiest way for everybody to get in touch with us is Leasing University. So just go to leasinguniversity.com. Search Google for Leasing University. Leasing University is the easiest way to find us. If they want to call the offices, and please do not hesitate to call. And if our people don't answer within three rings, I want to know about it, right? They should answer and say, it's a great day at Leasing University. What can I get you information on? Let me know if they don't do that in three rings. Call us at 888-735-7451. If you want to talk to me personally, I will make time to talk to you, okay? There's a pretty good chance, and it's thankfully, it's getting better that I'll be on an airplane because I travel a lot. If I'm on an airplane, I'll still call you right back. If I'm doing a live training, I'll call you right back. Call the office. Say, hey, I want to talk to Matt. I will call you back. I promise awesome. you that. I will, That's great. I will take time for every one of your listeners.
0: That's great. Well, uh, thank you again, Matt. This has been wonderful and really appreciate you making the time for us.
1: Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Multifamily Rockstars. We hope this episode was helpful for your personal and professional growth. For more episodes and to learn more about investing in multifamily apartments, check out lifechangingcapital.com